Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Brownstein Policy Director Kate McCandless joins Strategic Advisor Mark Begich to discuss healthcare issues specific to the Department of Veteran Affairs, including recent controversies at the VA, its place as one of the largest purchasers of healthcare in the country, and its potential impact on drug pricing, as well as attempts to streamline its system and the Medicare donut hole in the budget deal. Welcome back to another Brownstein podcast today. It's on healthcare. I'm here again with Kate McCandless, I'm policy director at Brownstein and is a go-to advocate for healthcare clients over the course of her career. Kate has represented and advised clients across the healthcare spectrum, including physician organizations, hospitals, consumer organizations, healthcare information technology companies, pharmaceutical and biotech companies, nonprofit organizations, and healthcare organizations. With regard to federal health care programs and policies, also within Brownstein, we have a special kind of subset of work we do here, specifically around the Veterans Administration. And I know Kate has a lot of experience around this. We work with associations and companies and how to navigate this complex, multi-billion dollar organization that is on a really on a growth path over the last decade plus. But it is a specialty within Brownstein because the VA by itself is an incredible healthcare delivery system from research to actual physical delivery to driving the marketplace in a lot of ways. So we get a lot of inquiries from companies and associations, but we also have a great stable of people we work with on this. So maybe uh, today we can talk a little bit about the VA and um, they've had a little controversies over the last uh, few weeks here. But also, as I said at the intro, it's, it's an organization uh, that really over the last decade, I think, has almost doubled plus in its budget and its growth pattern in the customers that are coming, the clients uh, that are receiving services from VA have increased. And on top of that, has expanded its touch to the private sector and utilization of private sector services more so than they ever have in the past, which, again, for people who are interested in the VA, may they be people who get service, but companies and associations, how they connect, there's more connectivity than ever before, it seems to me, which has and creates a lot of challenges. Give give a little thought. I know we have these controversies, which anytime there's a controversy with an organization like this, there's House hearings, Senate hearings, executive branch saying things, members saying things, and it's almost like the machinery kind of stops because everyone changes and responds to that. Are we seeing that in the VA right now? What? what give me your thoughts on that. And it's, sure. it's the one organization, too, I have to say that every congressional person will say, I support the VA. Oh, absolutely. No, No, absolutely. Um, It's just, you know, which individuals within VA are you supporting at this point? Exactly. Uh, No, as you mentioned, Senator Begich, the VA is one of the largest purchasers of healthcare that we have in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they are purchasing pharmaceuticals, they're purchasing medical devices, they're purchasing care, they are purchasing care out in the community now more than they ever have before, as you mentioned. And um, so there are obviously a lot of linkages between existing uh, Brownstein clients and hopefully folks that are out there listening when they think about VA, VA is not just the big hospital up on the hill. Right. You know, VA is in your communities. VA is providing services to veterans all over the place. And um, and there are a lot of opportunities uh, within VA. You're right. Right now, there is a bit of a scandal going on. Uh, Secretary David Shulkin has been found through an inspector general's report to have 
perhaps uh, improperly taken travel uh, to Europe with his wife over the course of the summer last year. And subsequently, the 35-year chief of staff of the VA uh, has has tendered her resignation. Which is um, amazing in the VA because you don't really have, except the political appointments, the system kind of keeps chugging along. The right? bureaucracy For, is there. It never stops over there. Yes. And, um, you know, our one of our favorite phrases if is if you've seen one VA, you've seen one VA. Well, the same is true, I think, for for the administration <laughs> at the VA. If you've seen one, you've seen one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's constantly changing in leadership. But you're right, the bureaucracy continues. And I think that part of that is exactly what we're seeing on the Hill as well. You're, uh, the, the Hill is certainly interested in this uh, inspector general's report, and they want to make sure that Secretary Shulkin is doing the right things and that mm-hmm. people who aren't doing the right things are being held accountable. But they are also trying to continue the House and Senate VA committees to move forward on modernizing the VA choice program. That is really the legislative agenda item of the day. And that's where it connects more to the private sector and the engagement with the VA kind of said, let's build more hospitals. Let's figure out how to maximize the current healthcare system and give more access or more readily available access to uh, veterans no matter where they live. Exactly. Historical school of thought was that VA was a closed system, right. that it was, in fact, the hospital on the hill, but it was, to it. you went to it. And and mm-hmm. for the services that it provided, whether it's, you know, blood draws for labs, or if you are a dialysis patient, for example, mm-hmm. all of those, the labs, the dialysis facilities, the hospitals, they all belong to VA. Right. And so there's this replication in the private sector of, you know, and I just came back from San Diego, the VA hospital is on one side of the hill, and a private hospital is on the other side of the hill, and the, the public hospital meet. is right across the street. So, you know, there's there is a lot of healthcare that happens in the VA that is replicating healthcare that could be delivered um, by partners outside. And more recently, as of uh, 2014 and 2015, and the unfortunate situation that we had in Phoenix um, mm-hmm. with with veterans waiting long times and and. Uh, some expiring while they were waiting uh, for certain appointments, we are opening up veterans health care to private providers in a way that we haven't before. And that really is the crux of, of the, the argument on Capitol Hill right now is how much how to open it up. Exactly. Do, do you think the, you know, the president has talked about, and I don't know what the right word to describe this, but he's taking on uh, pharmaceutical pricing. Now, the VA is able to negotiate. Uh, a a lot of their drugs and so forth. Will there be a ripple effect uh, or will maybe the VA be an example of how you can uh, drive down these pharmaceutical pricing, at least from the president's viewpoint, it seems like every time you hear it, may it be the State of the Union or whatever, this comes up. Right. And, I, you know, I think that he has a lot of different positions on drug pricing and what the <laughs> yes. answers might, might yes. be to that. Um, more recently, he's talked more about the fact that the United States is paying more than its fair share, more than other countries, because we burden both the cost of the drug, but also the cost of all of the research and research. development that mm-hmm. goes into that drug, whereas other countries, because of their uh, reference pricing, because of the fact that they negotiate these prices down so low, and that's all they're willing to pay, they basically free ride on the research and development activities that happen in the United States. And that seems to be really the the point of uh, that, that the administration is trying to drive home right now. But within the VA, um, as, as a, a purchaser, yes, it has the capacity to, uh, to negotiate its own prices. And for the most part, that works. There has been state legislation that would model VA or tie um, state 
uh, drug purchases and purchase prices to that of the VA. So using VA as the using price VA point. as the reference, mm-hmm. yes, and um, and most famously, I think in California that uh, was defeated. And so I think overall, people recognize that while VA is a huge system, it still is just um, you know one percent, or depending on who you speak to, one to to seven percent uh, of the American healthcare system. And so overall, it probably won't work for the entire. Uh, drug purchasing system. Do you see, um, as you mentioned, the modernization of the Choice Act um, that's moving forward? Is there, you know, it seems like the VA issues in the healthcare, may they, the scandal as we just talked about, but also there's been just a little pop up, not like a few years ago where it was just, it seemed like every week there was something around the VA. Maybe it's delivery service or it's its ability to bring in new clients in a timely manner or which groups would be qualified, which ones wouldn't. Is there anything on the horizon that is kind of a bubble that you see that may be something that's hard to see today, but you can kind of look down five, six, ten years from now, and that's going to be a big issue that – not a lot of people are yet thinking about, or maybe just a few are thinking about. Is there anything like that? I mean, it seems like, again, like I said, three, four years ago, it was just like every week, it (laughs) seemed like there was something with the VA. I think, you know, one thing that we have been hearing a little bit about from clients is uh, the VA's attempt to try and rein in some of its uh, diversity, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, if you've seen one VA, you've seen one VA. Well, basically what you have are 30-some-odd medical centers across the country that all operate as independent hospital systems. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, they all have individual policies on purchasing. They all have – and there is an effort uh, you know, here in D.C. to streamline a lot of that. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, it, it, it isn't something that you can, as a, as a large company, that you can look at as a system mm-hmm. and decide how you're going to provide care to it. And so there are certainly places where reimbursements um, aren't being made in a timely manner, um, where there are uh, providers that are choosing not to participate in VA. But the other thing that VA is doing um, is they are trying to pare down some of the purchases that they are making. And so... Uh, one example is that they are trying to create a surgical uh, prime vendor program where they aren't going to have access essentially to all of the medical devices or surgical uh, devices that they need for surgery. They will just choose one. So wow. all of the the surgeons within VA will be able to use one, one type product. of scalpel, gotcha. one type of stapler, one type of gauze. Mm-hmm. And so all of these purchases will be streamlined. Now, that's a little bit difficult, obviously, for um, companies that are trying to sell in and, right. and and competition right. gets a little bit, uh, you know, crazier. The problem with VA is, um, from my understanding, that they are they are putting together a committee to review this streamline without really consulting with clinicians who are using these products. Who use the end products exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of physicians operate within the VA, but they also practice medicine yeah. in other places in their community. Right. So if you're at you know, I just mentioned in San Diego, if you are at Scripps and you're used to using one type of tool and you do, you know, 20 knees a month right. and then you go across the street to the VA and you don't have the same tools, yeah. there are going to be surgical complications. Right. And while I applaud the VA for trying to streamline their purchasing process, it may be beneficial to speak to the clinician. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting uh, comment. I know like when I was mayor of Anchorage, one of the things we did is, you know, is the big push to put in LED lighting, exterior lighting. Lighting or mm-hmm. street lighting, and 
every LED company has their own pitch line they give. So what we did was uh, we made the companies propose actual physical a neighborhood. Each one got a street. They put their lights up, and then we let the citizens decide which ones. And the deal was whichever one the citizens liked, meaning you know how, how it looked, directional, glare, all that stuff, then we would use that as the uh, product for the whole city. So the contractor would end up, but we let the end users mm-hmm. know, uh, pick it. And the end result was uh, one company got it. The price was fantastic because they were competing. And But at the end of the day, they got the whole shebang. So, you know, in the VA, it seems like you can do certain things with medical supplies, but maybe there's other things they should be looking at that is non-medical impact that might be able to do that. Absolutely. But that seems like that's starting to move along in some form that they're doing. Well, and I think, you know, obviously my practice focuses on healthcare, but, you know, I don't want to spend the entire time beating up on VA. There's one thing that VA does, I think, very well that very few people are aware of, and that is the amount of research that that's comes right. out of VA. And part of what Especially VA does. Especially artificial limbs and absolutely. the whole, it's amazing. Cutting edge yeah, research happening. Um, and and part of what they do is that they initiate these pilot programs. And so mm-hmm. much to, to the point of what you were just saying with, you know, letting people decide, they will put together a three or five year program to test out a concept or a theory mm-hmm. uh, with regard to the provision of healthcare. So, for example, right now, I am working with an organization who is trying to allow VA medical centers when they are feeling the strain of, uh, you know, the load of appointments or mm-hmm. wait times are, are getting uh, longer than they would like, that they are able to reach out to community health centers, federally qualified yeah. health centers that are part of the federal family, the safety net of healthcare in this country Mm -hmm. and use those high quality providers as almost an extension cord of VA. Um, And so we're working to push forward that kind of a pilot program to show that there are other ways out there of providing health care. So for some of our folks that we work with here at Brownstein and others who might be listening, one thing in your right, it's a good it's a good point about the VA. They are not afraid to take on a few pilots or demonstrations because they're trying with their system is so large. They make a decision. They can drive the market in a certain way. So having these pilots or demonstration projects are a great way to look at innovation that's occurring in the private sector. People who come to our firm here and say, hey, we have this idea. The VA is one of those doors that is worth walking down. May be complicated. May there may, may there be many <laughs> doors down the hallway. You got to figure out which one to go through. But for a, a company or an association or a, a hospital system or a nonprofit that has a, a new innovative approach to deal with veteran or healthcare in general, the VA is almost like a great. It's a great place, to, an incubator of healthcare technologies. And it's one of the things we do here. We, yes. we have people like you just described that come to us and say, we have this idea. And we put our thinking caps on and say, well, here's an avenue. Let's see if we can work with you and see if the VA can consider a demonstration or not project. Is that a no, fair? That's right. Um, you know, most of our clients in healthcare are familiar with the uh, program over at CMS, the, mm-hmm. the CMMI, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid right. Innovation, which allows the secretary to test out a lot of theories. And right. ultimately, if they uh, improve quality and save money, then the secretary has the authority to roll them out across the country. VA doesn't necessarily have that same type of authority, but they do have the secretary's um, Compassionate Care Innovation Program, which is similar which because opens the door a little bit it there. opens yeah. the door a little bit and allows you to test certain things in a smaller market. Yeah. Let me cl- close on this. We talked a a lot about VA, obviously, uh, today. Is there anything, you know, it's almost like the other part of healthcare uh, is quiet. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, you know, we find out sooner or later usually about that. But is there anything on the horizon other than always the budgetary issues around health care? But is there anything that, uh, again, over the next few months that Congress uh, might kind of pull out? But it seems like they got their mandate issue. Mm-hmm. And from that point, it's kind of like almost we we won, so we're done even though there's a lot more people would like to have done to Obamacare, but it's almost like that's the win, and now they're moving. Is there anything that's kind of out there in the broad sense of health care? Well, the Department of Labor is reviewing uh, or is accepting comments on the uh, association health plan rule, and then we'll uh, finalize that rule, and I think we will start to see association health plans uh, popping up. We are already seeing the short-term health care plans uh, being lauded as... These are the one-year plans, yes, right? The, 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 the Catastrophic or exactly so that um, you know individuals can make choices that are appropriate for them in the in the in between um, right. you know when they're when they're between jobs or they're making those decisions and so um, you know I think you'll start to see some of those projects coming out of the changes that were made um, you know the executive order on AHPs and then um, you know the the elimination of the individual mandate the the budget deal that was just struck also really wrapped up nicely a number of different health care issues. Um, including the medical device tax, the health insurance tax, the uh, the payment uh, IPAB repeal. So there right. are a couple of things that finally got finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why you see things being quiet right, right. now. Um, there is one little hiccup that seems to be uh, percolating right now. The uh, budget deal closed the Medicare donut hole for Part D beneficiaries uh, starting in 2019 rather than in 2020. And it seems as though maybe there was a mistake that was made. Um, by CBO when they scored that particular Shocking provision. That, bill, that would be done in 48 hours. It was would a have quick, a mistake. quick process. It had a bit of a mistake. And so um, there is, I think, some lobbying activity on the pharmaceutical manufacturer side to try and rectify that. And that might sort of erupt into a little bit of a fight before the end of March and, and before the next time we, we do the, the omnibus appropriation. Yeah, there, there's probably in that bill, the budget and the tax bill, there's probably all these little things that people are starting to discover because that it's a classic here as a former senator, the, the rush to pass something and not pay attention to the implementation elements are, uh, are what I call payback, you know, because they pass these things, they say, oh, we did X, and then suddenly... They have a lot of right. Yes. So, so again, Kate, it's always a pleasure to get an update uh, from your work here in Brownstein. And again, we have a great healthcare team here that works on a variety of issues. And today, just understanding the VA is a, is a, is in itself a challenge. Uh, but you've laid it out very well. Again, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.